Um, TCL, yes, proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. I always enjoy bringing you the latest. This is the scoop. It's the scoop with Darren Dookie Wolfson from Five Eyewitness News. Forget any sort of NFL betting scheme. The ultimate survivor pool is getting another week of airtime right here on Score North. Score North on 1500. It is the Scoop podcast. For some reason, they've given us the 6 o'clock hour on Friday nights. We have somehow survived for many months. In this time slot, we've been doing this podcast going back to April 2016. So hopefully it provides some sort of entertainment or information value on your end. We'll get to Ben Carlson, Eastridge High School, on why he chose the Wisconsin Badgers this week and why he didn't choose the Gophers. Plus, we'll hear from Eric Decker later in the podcast, former Gopher. He was in town for a huge fundraiser earlier this week. I have some insight on that fundraiser. Him and his wife were here in town. A lot of money was raised for Gophers Athletics earlier this week. We caught up with Eric about Tyler Johnson and about life. So, Eric Decker later in the podcast. But we start with the Twins. Presumably, there's some people listening right now on their way to the ballpark. The magic number is down to six. Unfortunately, it looks like the Twins will clinch on the road, not at home. Just hard to foresee a scenario where they clinch Sunday. I guess maybe if Cleveland gets swept by Philadelphia this weekend, the Twins win out, but it'll be hard to clinch at home, especially with Cleveland playing a night game on Sunday. Although that would be an interesting scenario. What if the magic number is down to one after the Twins beat the Royals on Sunday? What if the magic number is one? Would the players stay at Target Field? Would they go home for a bit? It's a 5.30 Central first pitch. Sunday night baseball, Indians-Philly. So if the Indians lost that game, the Twins would be Central Division champions. Would they stay? Would they come back to Target Field to celebrate? Even if it's a long shot, because I think they end up celebrating on the road next week. Then we await, will they end up opening against the Astros or the Yankees? The Twins are pretty much locked into that three seed. So we know Friday, October 4th. Saturday, October 5th, the Twins either in New York against the Yankees or in Houston against the Astros. Then Game 3, the first playoff game at Target Field in a long time, will be on Monday, October 7th. Now, hey, how about this scenario? Twins-Yankees, that's my preferred matchup. Yes, bring on the evil empire, bring on the Yankees. To me, it's the lesser of two evils. I think the Yankees are a more favorable matchup for the Twins advancing. We got into that last week on this podcast for a while. If you want to hear my reasoning behind that, Phil Mackey's reasoning behind that, we're both on board with the Yankees. Yankees over the Astros. If you look at the remaining schedules of the Yankees and Astros, I would make Houston the betting favorite to be the one seed. So I would make the Yankees the betting favorite to be the Twins opening playoff opponent. So how about this for the ultimate sports weekend? Twins-Yankees at Yankee Stadium on October 4, on October 5. Vikings at Giants on October 6. Fly back on either Sunday night or Monday morning. Then you get Twins-Yankees at Target Field on Monday October 7th. Hey, another good sports trip would be, in fact, I'm looking at this right now, seeing if Droogie, my 8-year-old, wants to go. Badgers, Wolverines, and Madison tomorrow. Gosh darn it, why isn't it a 2.30 kickoff? 11 a.m. kickoff. I can't even imagine what it would be like to track down a hotel room tonight in Madison. But we can leave early tomorrow morning, so I need to check with the older son at some point tonight. Maybe Badgers, Wolverines in our future. We'll wait and see on that, being a college football fan. I wish there was more college football interest in this market. There just isn't. We try to do our best to track Gophers football 
and we'll have, as I mentioned, Eric Decker on the podcast later on. But I just I don't see the interest. I don't. I really don't. I mean, when it comes to Vikings, Twins, Wolves, Wild, I think the Gophers slot in after that. So when only given an hour on Friday night, 6 o'clock to 7 o'clock, for obvious reasons, I need to put the focus a lot on the pro teams. But trust me, we'll get into basketball recruiting next segment. We'll get to Eric Decker later in the podcast. So I try to strike some sort of balance. All right, we're going to start with the Twins, though, as I mentioned. My recent conversation with Twins Chief Baseball Officer Derek Falvey. Derek, I know it's not like the ultimate time to be reflecting, but 90 wins is one heck of an accomplishment. When I bring up 90 wins, with still multiple games to go, what what comes to your mind when I say 90 wins? I think it's a reflection of what the team has done, you know, collectively. It's a credit to all the guys in that room. At the end of the day, winning 90 games is not easy in the big leagues, and uh, we're not satisfied with that. We want to keep going, you know, going forward. But I would say that uh, it, it's just it, 162 games in the season. Typically, everyone loses about 60. Everyone wins about 60. How do you get the rest? And, uh, and I think our guys are really – they should be proud of what they've accomplished so far. How much are you following the home run race? I mean – you guys, I think, might be the betting favorite if we were making a line right because you have two games in hand with, with New York and you guys are one up right now. You know, I'll admit personally, I probably don't focus on it as much as uh, as, as the general public. I, again, a cool testament to these guys uh, all performing at their best. I mean, at the end, of the end of the day, you only do that if guys are putting good swings on balls. Home runs are a result of a really good swing and good process. So I think our, our hitting group collectively, the coaches, the players, everyone is just trying to make good swings every night and when balls leave the yard, it's uh, it's been fun fun to watch this year has been fun i mean is that maybe the recipe to success in october i mean i guess forget the regular season and forget if you guys get to 300 home runs or 310 but for success in october the ball probably needs to leave the yard well i think you don't run from your strengths you know as a team whenever you're playing and we know what our strength is you know we're not a team uh, we're not necessarily built for speed or you know that kind of game we're built a little bit more for uh, slug and, and get the ball you know the gaps and hopefully score some runs that way and score them in bunches so i think that at the end of the day our guys are going to take the same approach tonight that they hopefully could take uh, against even some of the best pitching if we're fortunate to be playing later so i just think uh these that's what our guys do best all right, on tonight, Max isn't in the lineup. I mean, just scheduled day off and one of those deals with the shoulder that he'll probably need a few days off here these next two weeks, or is this something new? Yeah, I think Max, no, same thing. And I think uh, he came back and played 18 innings for us on Saturday, so he was healthy through that. You know, dealing with some soreness, and I think something that will, will persist for him at times. We just want to make sure Rocco's been really consistent with this during the course of the year. Put guys in the position to be successful physically, uh, and, and this is just one of those nights we felt was the best night for him. I mean, everybody's dealing with bumps and bruises, yeah. but when you look at your clubhouse, I mean, CJ, I talked to CJ earlier. I mean, the wrist is just it's going to bother him, uh, or the thumb, excuse me, and Nelson with the wrist, and, yeah. you know, Jake, and you go up and down the list. I mean, is it just one of those deals where you're like, ah, I wish all these guys were healthy? Well, the way I look at that is no one feels sorry for you in baseball, right? And everyone's dealing with their own issues. This is a competitive world we're in and, and the landscape we're in, and we just have to control on what we can control. And I think certainly those guys have been fighting through some issues, whether it's Nelly's wrist, as you said, CJ's thumb, Max is back now. We've had some, some issues along the way, no question, but I think that our guys, they're going to fight every night with whatever they have and going to give their all. That's all we can ask of them. I didn't bring up Andrianza, but he told me in the clubhouse that he's encouraged 
that he thinks he might be back next week. Are you encouraged? Well, I think the fact that he's encouraged makes me encouraged at the end of the day. I think if he's feeling good and moving around okay, that's great. You know, obliques are a tricky thing. Sometimes they can last a little longer than anyone anticipates. Uh, it's not one of those things like a broken arm where you, you go look at it, see it on x-ray, and uh, and know that it's broken and you're going to need some time for that bone to heal. It's really responding to each individual player's feedback, and I think if he gets into his hitting progression the end of this week and into next week and feels good, that would be a good sign for him. I mean, is it one of those tricky injuries to him? I'm thinking about Marwin, too, where it can be triggered again pretty easily. Well, I think it can always be triggered. You can get hurt and re-injure anything anytime. That's the way we look at it. We try and put our guys back into the lineup when we think they're at the best place to, to compete. Could something happen again? That's true for any player, but I think that uh, that obliques are those kinds of injuries that if you're not careful about how you prep, prep for it and make sure you do the rehab right, that it could it could linger for you, and we've seen that with players before. How do you look at Saturday? I mean, I look at Saturday. I mean, you win both games, both bullpen games. I mean, got to put a big smile on your face. Yeah, was it one of those days where after Friday night, some really difficult conditions there in, in, in Cleveland and uh, to have the rain out early, you never want to lose a starter like that and have a game get pushed back. And then knowing we were going into that day uh, with two bullpen games, which is never easy, right? And you know that from the get-go. But I, I'm really proud of the group that's in that room. You know, the young guys banded together. We had two young starters kind of navigate through some difficult spots uh, have a bunch of guys come in behind them and win those games, and then offensively, you know, to pick those guys up late was really fun to see. So, anytime you can go play 18 innings of baseball against a really good team and come out with two wins, that's about as good as it gets. Tell me nuts, maybe it's heat of the moment hyperbole, but. I'd be okay with a bullpen game in October. Well, you know, I hey, you're seeing more of that, right, across baseball, and uh, and and you hope that you put your guys in the best positions to be successful. I mean, I think last year you look at a team like the Milwaukee Brewers playing in the NLCS all the way to Game Seven, really utilized their bullpen aggressively. I think you're in in playoff baseball, you definitely see shorter starts, and you see guys come back out of the bullpen as starters. I mean, it's an all hands on deck approach if you get there. So I hope we're in a position where we have to be considering that. I mean, it's your job though to look ahead. I mean, are these discussions? that you're actively having right now? I mean, how to line up a postseason rotation? Well, I think that's our job is always looking ahead. You know, so in season, regular season, we're always looking ahead. Uh, I'm always thinking about what are the next needs for us. And so even with off-season planning, already starting at this time of year. So uh, our job is to try and help Rocco and the group. You know, obviously health and things like that play a meaningful role as you get down the stretch. Uh, our focus right now is continuing to win the games we need to win to get into to, to the postseason. And if we do that, then we'll try and think about how we set ourselves up best. How impressive was Bruce Darren Cleveland? Yeah, that was that was kind of fun to watch, wasn't it? I mean, I think he's a. We know what he is as a young kid. He's always got a smile ear to ear. He's got a great arm. I think the first couple of outings, you saw some nerves, which I wouldn't have expected anything else given his age and and, and proximity to the major leagues. But that night, in a big moment, in a sold out ballpark, you know, after after the long day of baseball, to come in and give us two big innings was huge for his confidence. And I think now we're seeing hopefully you know, the start of a, a really good long run for him. I mean, one hundred one, one hundred two. It. it it's almost effortless, it looks like. There are times where it does look effortless. I've, I've actually seen even uh, numbers that stay consistently up there for him, but we don't necessarily want that all the time. You don't want him overthrowing. You want him to throw strikes and attack the zone. But I think that that was a, a reflection of the moment, you know, that big, big moment that night, big crowd, and, and he got a little bit more juice on the ball. Sam Dyson, what's the latest? Yeah, so Sam is going to get an opinion from Dr. Neil Alatrash uh, out in California, one of the best uh, shoulder surgeons in the country. And so we just want to make sure that we take a look at every resource we have here. And as soon as we get a, a sense from Dr. Alatrash, I'm sure we'll have an update. I mean, is there even a sense that 
surgery is a possibility? Well, I think anytime you have a shoulder injury as a pitcher, you're always concerned about the longer term and uh, whether or not there's something in there that needs to be surgically repaired. So uh, can't rule that out until we get a sense from Dr. Alatrosh, and a, a, at that point we'll know more. I mean, as far as you know, you weren't like sold damaged goods, right? I mean, is there any recourse with San Francisco? You know, it's a difficult situation because he came over here um, and, and went and pitched for us early on, probably fought through some some of the issue that is presenting uh, more consistently now. Uh, it's one of those things that's always a challenge, you know, anytime a player comes over. Uh, but at this point, we're focused on how do we get Sam healthy to help us. On Dr. Neal, how is, how is Byron doing? Yeah, so Byron went out and uh, and had his uh, procedure uh, as we uh, as we announced last week, and uh, he's feeling feeling better. You know, I think anytime you have a surgery, you don't feel great right after the fact, but I think that uh, now we get into the rehab phase, and and he's feeling um, I think optimistic about that. There's never never nothing great about having surgery for a player. That's not fun, uh, but I think now he's focused on okay, how do we get him back and ready to go next spring? Is the plan to have him back here at least? to at least encourage his teammates and you know just kind of lift spirits? Yeah, I think as he feels better and continues to get a little further away from the surgery, uh, we'll have him back here in Minnesota. He'll be around the team at some point here. We haven't determined the specific dates there. Some of that's reflected in what the surgeon thinks is best for his kind of short-term recovery and getting him into the long term, but I would fully expect to see Byron back here before the end of the year. Pineda's explanation on the suspension I mean, does that satisfy you the way he laid it out to you? Yeah, I mean, I think anytime uh, you have a situation like this, it's always difficult. And I, you know, I have no reason to believe anything other than what Michael shared with us. And, and I, I like Michael quite a bit as a person. I think he's a great teammate. He did a great job for us this year. It's a really disappointing outcome for him and for us. Uh, but he's part of our family, and we're here to support him. And, and, and we're going to make sure that we continue to do so going forward. Kyle Gibson respond okay? I mean, Colitis is no joke. I mean, my mother-in-law has it. It's not a joke at all. I mean, the fact that he was able to fight through and battle through all year, but just the way he's responded since coming off the injury list, I mean, to your liking? Yeah, I think he feels good, you know, and I think that's that's step one, right? And you, you, you're right. I think this is something that probably uh, it's easy to talk about a hamstring strain or, you know, a broken arm or something like that. When you have an internal issue like that that he was dealing with, it's hard. It's not easy to fight through, and I think now he feels like he's gotten a good plan of action going Going forward, he feels better now physically uh, than he has over the last couple of weeks. So I think getting him back into the routine of pitching, getting more on the mound consistently, we're seeing good velocity numbers from him. I think he's feeling better, and again, it just it reflects um, from the conversations with him that he's in a better place. And I would expect we see a good Kyle down the stretch here. Hit you with three more, Latell. I guess even just some of these other bullpen guys. I mean, Rogers and Romo get some headlines, but I'm thinking like Littell, Duffy, May. I mean, your bullpen's rolling right now. Yeah, I think, you know, bullpens are, it's a, it's a challenging part of the game to try and navigate. You have a lot of guys that you think have great stuff and great ability, and they need to corral all of that with the command, and I think everyone you just mentioned, you know, from Zach to to, to Trevor May to, to Tyler Duffy, those guys have all stepped up to join guys like Romo and Rogers toward the back end of games. I think of a young Cody Stashak coming up and what he's been able to do for us. I think Devin Smelter has pitched in a couple of different kinds of roles and helped us a ton. So, you know, a number of those guys were going to need to count on down the stretch here and, and hopefully beyond and I think that that's a testament to the work they've put in because at times there have been struggles and challenges but these guys just keep fighting keep building and, and keep trying to get better and we're in a better spot today as a result on Cody and Devin I mean I guess how how much will these next two weeks go in determining whether those guys are on the on the postseason roster? Well, I think what's great about Rocco and Wes and their approach to how they've used those guys is they throw them right into the fire, right? It doesn't matter the situation, doesn't matter how big it is, what the game is, who the opponent is. We just talked about Gratterall for a second and throwing a big game in Cleveland. 
that's going to be the way we play it down the stretch. And at the end of the day, um, you're, you're going with what you think are your best in, in ways to, to win games down the stretch. We're going to do that over the next couple of weeks. And hopefully if we've got a chance to play in October, we've got a chance to put those guys in some big spots too. On October, I mean, how much are you looking daily at what the Yankees are doing in the Astros? And I mean, it looks like you guys will probably be the three seed, but... Who the heck knows if you'll open up against Houston or New York? Yeah, we don't focus a lot on that right now, we'll be, mostly because at this point you you don't control any of it. Right? You control only what you do tonight. If we continue to do that, put ourselves in good position, we'll uh, we'll hopefully be in a great place at the end of the season. Maybe after this, Alex Kirilov. I mean, the forty man spots are are tough. They're they're valuable, but. Was it an interesting discussion about whether to bring him up here for the final couple weeks? Yeah, Alex Alex has had a, a good year uh, overall on the year. He dealt with some challenges during the course of the year physically, and I think that Alex, much like any other players in our minor leagues who we, we like and think are a big part of our future, uh, we always want to put them in positions to be successful. And I think Alex finishing his year in Pensacola, having a great finish to it, now it's time to get healthy, focus on the offseason, focus on ways to get into next year and build off of that to give, him a ch- give himself a chance to impact us here soon. So uh, I felt like he, he had a great year, someone that we're going to continue to monitor and make sure he's in a good place. We're excited for his offseason and what he can do next year. And because of the health, is that why you had him originally in Arizona but then yanked him from the fall league? Yeah, I think, you know, as we thought more about his fall league and even in, in conversations with Alex, kind of collectively felt like he was dealing with some just general soreness and fatigue and some things he had gone through during the course of the year, made sure to get that evaluated at the end of the year, feel good about his long-term prognosis, but sometimes rest and recovery is the only the only medicine, and, uh, and now's the time for him to start on that. That was Twins Chief Baseball Officer Derek Falvey. There's a lot to unpack there. I appreciate his openness, his honesty. I will say this much max kepler has been out with a shoulder issue but he brought up max's back unprompted during that conversation so that's interesting max kepler out this week there's still no sense that he's going to be out longer but it has been interesting that he was out of the lineup monday tuesday wednesday and thursday full disclosure i'm pre-recording this segment on friday morning so it's before tonight's twins lineup has been posted on Gratterall. He is eligible. I've been asked this a bunch. Is he eligible for the playoff roster? Is he not? If the twins so choose, Bruzdar Gratterall can be on the twins playoff roster, that 25-man playoff roster for the divisional series. So can Jorge Alcala. Now, we haven't seen Jorge Alcala yet, but he's got 97-98 in his arsenal. I mean, he's a guy that could impact the bullpen. So I don't know if Alcala would be put on the playoff roster, but still interesting to think about. But I've been asked about that. Gratterall, Alcala, are those guys eligible for the playoffs? If the Twins choose, they are. On Kyle Gibson, so I talked to Derek a couple days ago. This was before Gibson struggled mightily on Thursday night against the Royals. I think at this point... Kyle just needs to get right. Colitis is absolutely, positively no joke. To me, the focus should be on Kyle's health at this point. I'm not quite sure the Twins can put Kyle, this is just my own opinion, I'm not quite sure the Twins can put Kyle on the playoff roster, at least the Divisional Series playoff roster. Hope Fieldhouse helps keep the Scoop podcast going. Hopefieldhouse.org. Hope Fieldhouse is all about helping athletes with disabilities. They want to give athletes with disabilities a home, a permanent home here in the Twin Cities metropolitan area. For more information, hopefieldhouse.org. They are nearly across the finish line for all the money they need to raise. This has been a lot of hard work done by Dan Corley and his team there in Rosemount. I'm telling you guys like Kirk Cousins of the Vikings, C.J. Hamm of the Vikings, Tom Compton, Rosemount native who now plays for the New York Jets, the former Viking. They have helped out. If it's $1, $2, $5, whatever you can do to help athletes with disabilities, think about it. The Dakota Hawks, adapted hockey team, they've won multiple state championships. Would you believe that they do not have a home 
that they can call theirs. Well, they would now. They could have a permanent home. Hope Field House would be their permanent home. They would have lockers there. It would be their place. So that's just one example of many. If you have somebody that you know, if somebody in your family is impacted, right? Special Olympics. We think about Special Olympics. Athletes with disabilities should be afforded every opportunity every other athlete has. So if you can help out athletes with disabilities, hopefieldhouse.org. Go to hopefieldhouse.org. When we come back here on the Scoop podcast, we put the focus, the spotlight on high school basketball recruiting, and we'll catch up with Ben Carlson of Eastridge High School on his decision to commit this week to the University of Wisconsin and to tell the Gophers and others no. Stay with us. Welcome back, everyone, to Score North on 1500. The Scoop podcast continues. This is episode 256. Let's focus on hoops, specifically college recruiting focusing on local boys players i was texting with ken novak jr the hopkins head coach the very successful longtime hopkins head coach last night kerwin walton of hopkins senior kerwin walton of hopkins who has completely blown up because roy williams of north carolina was at Lindbergh center on the hopkins high school campus earlier this week he ended up offering kerwin walton he'll eventually visit north carolina arizona wants walton badly miami jim laranega the miami coach was in earlier this week as well then last night ed conroy from the Gophers was there. Norm Roberts from Kansas was there. Arkansas had another coach come in. Arkansas has been in twice in the last week. Kerwin Walton is absolutely blowing up, but the Gophers are doing everything they can to convince Walton to stay home. If you look at the class of 2020, the Gophers ended up offering seven Minnesota kids. Four have committed. Three are uncommitted. Walton is one of those three. Another of those three is Dawson Garcia, the forward from Prior Lake. I am told his interest in the Gophers is sincere. It's genuine. He has a legit interest in staying in his hometown. But North Carolina wants him. Kentucky wants him. I'm told he actually really, really likes Marquette. So I think it'll be a tough decision for Garcia. But I can tell you when he came out earlier this week with his final seven, having the Gophers in the final seven is not just some sort of token gesture. You know, the right PR move. I'm told his interest in the Gophers is absolutely sincere. On Jalen Suggs, he knows how to play the game. Jalen says all the right things about Richard Patino. Jalen will have the Gophers right there until the end. But I will continue to say that I don't see any scenario where Jalen Suggs ends up in a Gophers uniform. I think Gonzaga remains the betting favorite, but that could still be fluid, as could him maybe even going overseas to earn some money, although I think ultimately he ends up playing college basketball. But that is a scenario that has not been eliminated. I'm just telling you, I do not, if I had to bet, I do not see Jalen Suggs playing in Australia or some other foreign country. I do think he plays college basketball, just not for the U. All right, the four Minnesota players that Patino offered that he swung and missed on. You have Dane Danger of Park Center High School. Hopefully everything is squared away on his front. Hopefully he can be eligible next year right away at Baylor, but he's committed to the Baylor Bears. You have Gabe Matson, who was on this podcast a couple weeks ago, right after he committed to the University of Cincinnati. He's from Rochester Mayo High School, a good shooting guard. Then you have from earlier this week from Eastview High School, big man Stephen Kroll. I thought the Gophers would get him. That one surprised me, although actually after hearing some stuff the last handful of weeks, I guess I wasn't ultimately surprised. He committed to the University of Wisconsin. The Badgers over the Gophers. It was odd. 
So Patino has Kroll and his family on campus for a visit on June 18th. He didn't offer until a few weeks later. I think the family was led to believe that when they visited on campus on June 18th that the offer would come then. Now, maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe because Wisconsin didn't offer until July. So maybe Wisconsin did a good enough job, or even if the Gophers had offered on June 18th, that he still ends up a Badger. I still think it was a mistake to invite him and his family to campus with them thinking an offer was coming to then not make the offer. We'll get to the last player that Patino offered that he missed on from the Minnesota class of 2020, but let me say, it's not fair to critique or to analyze or however you want to spin it to look at the Gophers 2020 recruiting class, which right now doesn't have one commit, but it's only fair to look at it. I guess what I'm getting at is it's only fair to look at it at the very end. And I've always said, whether kids are from Minnesota, Iowa, Ohio, DJ Gordon on campus now from Pennsylvania, hey, I don't care where they are from as long as they can help the Gophers win. Ultimately, it really doesn't matter. It is nice if you can win with Minnesota kids and being the only Division I team program in the state, and it's a state with so much talent, you should be able to land a bunch of Minnesota kids. They did a few years ago, the class of 2016, the class of 2018. So you could argue it is cyclical. But yeah, it's not a good look, at least perception-wise, to miss on all these 2020 kids. But hey, if Patino wins, and hey, last year, he won an NCAA tournament game. That's only the second time the Gophers, since 1998, have won an NCAA tournament game. This is not a great program, historically. This has been a rock-bottom program. So, if Patino can win some more tournament games, ultimately it doesn't matter where recruits are from. But I'm just saying, when it comes to evaluating the 2020 class, let's see what Patino does with his open scholarships. He's got multiple open scholarships, so let's see. Maybe he gets DJ Gordon. Maybe he gets Jamal Mash burn jr or some other kid jamari sibley who's a four star from oak hill academy who was on campus for an official visit last week all right let's get to the final minnesota kid who turned down the gophers it is ben carlson of east ridge high school forward i caught up with ben after he committed earlier this week to the university of wisconsin so the badgers and gray guard get stephen kroll of eastview one day they then the next day get ben carlson from east ridge ben let's just start with an easy one why wisconsin uh, I think the biggest thing was just how I think I fit with the Wisconsin program, like the players and the coaches. I just thought I've known them for four years now. They're the first school to ever contact me. Like they sent me a letter way back in freshman year during the high school season. So it's been a while, but I think I was just really comfortable. I know the coaches really well. I just felt comfortable making that decision to go to go play basketball, Wisconsin. Did the comfort level even go up when you took an official visit there a couple weeks ago? Yeah, because like the biggest thing I was looking for on my official visits was like how I fit with the players. And I thought they have guys pretty similar to me, so I was really comfortable when I hung out with them there. I mean, who did you hang out with too? I mean, there's a handful of Minnesota kids yeah, there. Yeah. I was with Tyler Wall, Brad Davison, uh, Micah Potter, and Joe Hedstrom most of the time. Those are kind of the main guys I hung out with, and I, I had a good time with them. I really, I really liked them. I mean, and then Stephen Kroll commits yeah. the other day, and AAU teammate. So I mean, just keep adding on. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's he's a lot like me. He's a quieter guy, but I think he's a really good guy. He's a really good, really good player too. He's he's gonna be a special player down the road. So I'm excited to go play with him. I think we and other commits too. I think it's it's gonna be a lot of fun once we get there. So was Coach Guard initially going back about four years that that first established the relationship with you? Yeah, first it was Coach Krabenhoff just because he was assistant. He started off, but then it slowly. It was, it was, it's always been a mix of them, like but it's mostly been Coach Krabenhoff and Coach Guard. But yeah, it's always been a little bit of a mix. But Krabenhoff was the one who started it. So, what did Coach Guard sell to you on how he wants to use you that that said, okay, I know that that's the right yeah. fit. 
I think the biggest thing is just, uh, how they want to use my versatility, like not just keep me on the block, but like let me come off ball screens and shoot the three and like, handle the ball, bring it up the court, just being able to use all my different skills that I have to help the team win, just that being able to show my versatility every game. And on that versatility, I mean, how much more versatile have you become over the years? I mean, even going back maybe this time last year, I mean, yeah. there were times last year where you were bringing the ball up for Eastridge. Yeah, yeah I know, like freshman year, like I'd hardly brought the ball, but I didn't. I only shot like seven threes freshman year. So like my threes have gone up a lot. I feel a lot more confident with that and just ball handling, just like uh, kind of like completing my game, I think, just being able to do a little bit of everything. I think it's grown a lot over the four years I've been here. I think it's only going to co continue to grow as I keep working harder. Were there any players, I mean, did Coach Guard bring out some video of, of other players he's coached and said, hey, Ben, this is how I envision using you? Yeah, some big ones were Sam Decker, John Luer, a little bit of Frank Kaminsky, but kind of like the same role like Sam Decker because he's kind of like he can dribble the ball. He handles, he's like my height, kind of my like build. But I say those those type of guys is what he showed me for the most part. I mean, those three guys were all NBA draft picks. Yeah. I mean, John was a second round pick, but ends up with a big contract. The other two guys, first round picks. I mean, does that just make you smile when when he's comparing you to NBA guys? Yeah, because I definitely see some similarities. Like. I see how I'm similar to them, but at the same time, like I'm my own, I'm my own player. Like I just got to find my way to de develop and hopefully to get to that level. Because I know they've done it with a lot of guys like me in the past, and I want to hopefully be the next guy to go through there and do what those guys have done. Did it hit you last night? I mean, I'll be honest. I was texting with a coach that was in your mix, and yeah. he said as recently as like earlier this week, he thought they still really had a really good shot to land you. So I guess what changed over the last you know 24 hours yeah. or so? I mean, I just sat down with my parents and I talked to a couple coaches who've been recruiting me pretty hard last night. And I was Xavier's in yesterday and I was just, just kind of like putting it all together. And just, it was like, it took a while to come to a decision, but I think we just went over everything that I want in this school. And I think like all the other schools who recruited me, they're, they're really good schools. Like there's nothing against them. It's just, I feel like Wisconsin is the best fit for me right now. How much of a relief is this? I mean, I get it. Some of the recruiting is fun, but it can be grueling. I mean, just big sigh of relief right now? Yeah, no, it's, it's been a lot. It's been, I mean, I'm lucky. I wouldn't change it for anything. Like, not many people get to do this. So it's been a lot for the past couple of years. But, yeah, I'm super thankful that's over. And I can kind of relax and I'll just play the last, last season of my high school career without that stress. So, Did you reach out to some of the coaches that did recruit you and, and let them know that you were committing to Wisconsin? Yeah, I called. That was a big thing. Like, I want to keep those relationships intact because you never know. They could end up as a coach at Wisconsin or they could end up somewhere else. So I called. I made sure to call all of them on the phone. I would talk to all of them. And they were all really good about it. Like, they also had nice things to say. So that was pretty cool for me, I think. It was hard, but it was cool. So When you say all the coaches, was it all the coaches or at least coaches from all the programs in your, in your final list? Yeah, so like before I cut my list, I talked to all like nine of those coaches that I cut. And then this last time I talked to all five of the other coaches that I had to say no to. So yeah, I talked to all of them. Was there one school in particular, like if, if there was a runner up per se, I mean, whether it was Stanford, Purdue, Xavier, the Gophers, I mean, was there anybody that was particularly really hard to say no to? Um, I mean, it's it's hard to say because they're all great schools. Like, I'd, I'd be fine going to any, any of those schools. I just feel like Wisconsin was the best fit for me at this moment. Like, they're all hard conversations. I, I really like the coaches. I like all the coaching staffs at all those schools. So it was, they were hard conversations, and I'll, they took it really well. They're they're really nice to me, so I'm just thankful that they treated me like that. On 
the hometown offer, the hometown Gophers? I mean, I guess them specifically. How hard was it to tell Minnesota no? Yeah, it was hard. I said no. They've been they've been on me for a while. Even when their coach staff changed, that they they start up right away. So that was that was pretty hard too. I know I talked to talked to I think their whole coaching staff about it. And it was yeah, it was a tough decision, especially because they're local. It was it was tough. What about goals this year? I mean, now that this is lifted off your shoulders, I mean, Kendall's gone, but you know, heck, you guys make it to state last year, and that probably is the goal again this year. Yeah, that's the goal again. I know. I know we've got the talent too. I think we just had to get a little experience on our belt. I know we have a really tough schedule right away, but I think that's only going to help us prepare for March. And like, you could lose our games before March, and that's you just need a win in March, and you're fine. So I think once we get that experience early in the season, I think we're going to be a lot better down the road. And I think the goal for us is to make make it back to state. Hopefully, hopefully win it this year. So, what was the reaction from your family when you finally came to the decision? last night that hey I, I want to commit to Wisconsin I mean I think about your dad's athletic history mom I mean your entire family just what was what was the reaction uh, most of them were asleep actually it was, it was just me and my mom like my siblings were asleep but I told them in the morning so it was just they're really happy, happy for me they know how, how hard I've worked for this they're just they're happy to see it finally pay off and make my decision so it, it was a really special moment have you had a chance to check some of your some of your social media mentions is it blowing up with people congratulating you yes yeah, it's, it's been hard to keep track of like i know i've been scrolling through my text trying to text everyone back it's a lot of people texting me just just saying congrats and stuff and twitter's been crazy I, I haven't even really looked honestly it's been a lot going on but it's just good to see all that support from people who care about me i think that's pretty special i mean you're right about crazy because you know that you say yes to one school but then a fan base of another school i mean inevitably you know, there's enough knuckleheads on social media that somebody's going to say something yeah. stupid. So, I mean, is maybe the best advice just not even look at your mentions? Yeah, like for me, like it's I honestly don't look that much. Like some people say some really nice things. Some people say some things they probably shouldn't say. But I mean, that's that's kind of how the world is. But you just gotta just gotta deal with it, I guess. What's the campus like? I mean, I guess I've been there, but I guess from your point of view, after taking an official visit and you've been to Madison multiple times, yeah. I mean, just how about just the overall vibe of, of the Wisconsin campus? I think it's like a, everyone knows it's a really big sports town. Like, badges are everything there. And I think being a part of that, like where everyone knows you, everyone cares about you, like how you're doing, I think that, that was a big draw for me, just being a part of that, like, big college sports atmosphere. That was That's really important to me. Like the family bond there even grow too when you were on your official visit with, with everything going on with with Coach Moore there and and his family dynamic and and the tragedy in his family and I mean did that even draw maybe Coach Garden and just the Wisconsin basketball community that much closer? Yeah, I know it was a terrible incident. I know I think it it probably did brought everyone together. I know it's really sad, but at the same time I think it might have helped them come come even closer because you never know like what's going to happen. I guess it's it was obviously that's not anything you want to happen to anyone but it's just yeah I think it definitely it might have brought them together a little bit I don't know if Wisconsin still has some openings but you know I mean you know some guys that you know maybe could help you at Wisconsin will you now help recruit or are they filled with with you committing I think, yeah they're filled now I was the last one so I don't I don't think I don't think they have any more spots but yeah if they do I'll recruit but I'm pretty sure like it's closed up for now I mean was there any pressure on them because they only had the one opening that I mean, did Coach Guard say, hey, Ben, we'd like a decision sooner rather than later? I'm um, not really, no. It was just it was kind of on my time. Like, I knew I knew what I wanted to do, and I think I just wanted to get it done, like, when I knew what was right. Because, like, I knew what was right last night, so just I just decided to do it, to go for it.
I mean, what were some of the boxes you wanted to check? I mean, when you say right fit, it was the right time. I'm sure you had a lengthy list of, okay, does this program satisfy this, 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 the university, does it satisfy this, this, and this? I guess, what was on that list? Uh, I think big things were the relationships with the players, the coaching staff, like uh, if the team's successful, like what their, what's their history with winning and stuff, do they make it to the tournament? And then just like style of play and like my opportunity to play as a freshman, because that's big. Like you don't get better sitting on the bench, you have to play. So that's, that's a big one. Those are probably the biggest boxes that I did check. Did coach Guard say, I mean, here are certain things I want you to work on this year, including, I mean, you can always get stronger. Yeah. Yeah, getting more, getting stronger. Like they like how physical I am already, but college is a different, different animal. So you gotta keep getting stronger. And then three point shooting, I think, keep working on that. That's gonna only help my game. And then ball handling, like those have been my three focuses for a while now. But it's just continuing to work on those. Like you never, you can never shoot the ball and never dribble the ball enough. Like you always gotta keep working on those. Let's go after this. Was there any temptation to at least go out to Palo Alto for the for the Stanford official? I mean, heck, it'd be one heck of a trip. Or was it just one of those deals where enough was enough? You've traveled so much the last handful of weeks and even going back to AAU that you didn't have to go out to California here in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I think I I mean, Stanford's like a beautiful place. I really like their coaches. I just, they had a kid commit. He's pretty similar to me, like same height and stuff. So I didn't think it'd be really worth it for me or for them because I, I feel like I already made my mind up. But yeah. Sanford's is one of the best places out there. It's a great campus, great facilities, great coaches, but I just didn't think it'd be worth it for either of us. So That was Ben Carlson, Eastridge High School. He committed to the University of Wisconsin earlier this week. It wasn't from a lack of effort on the Gophers' front. I just get the sense that he felt like Wisconsin was a much better fit. In fact, a far better fit. I'm not even quite sure the Gophers were runner-up, although I'm telling you, it wasn't from a lack of effort. An update on DJ Gordon, a three-star wing out of Pittsburgh. He was supposed to visit this weekend, an official visit with Patino and the Gophers. He had something happen on his personal front in his family, so he'll likely have to reschedule. My understanding is he is not here this weekend to be determined when he does come. But whether it's that point guard Ty Berry, Jamal Mashburn Jr., maybe Gordon, I'm telling you, let's wait and see what Patino does with his 2020 recruiting class before jumping to all sorts of crazy conclusions. On the women's front, you win some, you lose some in recruiting. Alexia Smith, a top 50 guard out of Columbus, Ohio, committed to the Gophers earlier this week. Rutgers wanted her, Xavier DePaul, so she had a good list of offers, but she chose the Gophers. Top 50 guard in the country in the class of 2020. Alyssa Utsby from Rochester Lord, the second best player in the state in the class of 2020, right beneath Paige Beckers of Hopkins. She chose North Carolina over the Gophers. I know Lindsey Whalen and her staff put in a good effort on Utsby, but they lose out on Utsby, but they gain Smith. When we come back, we hear from Eric Decker, former Gopher. He talks about Tyler Johnson and others. Stay with us. We're like the Energizer Bunny. We keep going and going and going. I think we like the sound of our own voice as well, but hey, they told us to fill until 7 o'clock, so that's what we'll do here on Score North on 1500. Scoop podcast episode 256 continues. I'll finish with some notes, including some wide receivers the Vikings had in for workout today, but let's start with, in this segment, Eric Decker, former Gophers receiver, now resides in Nashville. He was in town on Wednesday along with his famous wife for a fundraising event in Chaska. My dear friend, my colleague Joe Schmidt, emceed the event. The event raised at least $250,000 for Gophers Athletics. PJ Fleck was there, Richard Patino was there, Lindsey Whalen was there. So many different luminaries. Anyway, Joe Schmidt, 
caught up with Eric Decker. He talked to Eric about, among other things, Tyler Johnson. Tyler Johnson needs one more touchdown catch to tie Eric Decker at 24 touchdown receptions in their Gopher careers. What you been up to? You know, you kind of kind of left Minnesota, made your way in the NFL, and uh, good to have you back. Well, it's good to be back, you know, and uh, I, I found my home, I guess, in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, I got three young kids, so they're keeping me busy. Otherwise, uh, my wife, Jess, has been, you know, running around like wilds with music and her clothing line and whatnot, so we're keeping our hands full in a lot of different things. What did the University of Minnesota mean to you? You're back here today. I mean, it means everything. You know, uh, the fact that Glenn Mason gave me an opportunity to come to this wonderful campus, play for the football team, but also the baseball team, uh, get my degree in business, and really jumpstart, I guess, my life and, and help me kind of find my way as a man uh, and as a young adult. So uh, to come back, to help out, to show my appreciation for what, you know, that part of my life has meant to me is, is important. You had a great career in the NFL, eight years. You made a lot of noise, caught a lot of touchdowns. You were on a lot of people's fantasy football teams, <laughs> especially 2013. I think you're on mine. I appreciate that. Yeah, that's always one comment. You know, I always got was, "What are you going to do this week? You going to score?" I mean, fantasy football has grown like you know wildfire, but it's it's been a fun to see that too, and fun to know that there's people back home that have you on your fantasy team. What was it like uh, your career? You look, you step back and you go. You got eight good years. You played the Super Bowl. Pretty proud of it. Yeah, I am. You know, I feel very fortunate to to have kind of the career I did. I think initially my goal was always to play for one team and play for ten plus years. And then as the years went on, figured out it's a business. And to get the opportunities to play in New York, to play in Tennessee, to play in Denver allowed me to grow as a person as well. You know, that's why I step back and look at as a whole pitcher. And uh, wonderful years. I mean, Peyton Manning, one of the best quarterbacks to ever play, got two years with him. Incredible. Um, playing in the Super Bowl, not winning it, but at least getting there, that opportunity was phenomenal. And again, just the friends I met along the way, the opportunities that came through football ha have really, you know, changed my life. Do you kind of look back and, and think about the little boy in Cold Spring, Ricori, who uh, dreamt all this stuff and then see it happen? Yeah, uh, I mean, it's such a perspective to come back and think about, especially when I go home. So there's a baseball field in Cold Spring, Springer Park, and that's where I grew up. I spent every night there uh, visualizing, trying to be a Curry Puckett, and now I play football. That's, you know, my passion. But that, that was my dream is to be a professional athlete and to know now, looking back, having young kids that – when I was that age, I was my dreams were to, to be, you know, the next Curry Puckett, the next Kevin Garnett, you know, the next Randy Moss. And uh, it, it's such a blessing, such an honor to have the opportunity to do what I dreamt to do and tell kids that, you know, I'm a small-town boy who, who made it happen. It's a lot of hard work, a lot of dedication, but anyone can do it. Talk about the current Gophers. You still a big fan? A huge fan. You know, always alumni. Uh, good to see a 3-0. I know we've... We've won in some interesting ways, but that's football. And that's what I love, you know, about this squad is that that's the mentality you got to have. You know, it's not always going to be pretty, but if you can win in the fourth quarter, you know, like the, fashions, the fashion they have, I mean, that, that sets you up for success because it gives you the confidence knowing that, all right, we can come back and win in any situation. I don't care who you're playing. Talk, let's talk about the receivers. First of all, Tyler Johnson. Uh, you were a guy that went to the NFL and did well. He looks like he's got that talent, too. Yeah, well, he's definitely a lot more athletic than I am, so uh, he's a stud, and it's been fun to see his growth over the, the years, and I think he's got a lot of potential. 
and, and an opportunity to have a long career in the NFL. But there's a difference when you get to the NFL, isn't there? I mean, taking it to that next level. Yeah, you know, I think the biggest thing, like, level-wise and going from good to great is you know, the mental part. you gotta, you got to be mentally tough. you got to know that there's some long days. And, you know, the NFL season is 16 games plus four preseason plus maybe four postseason. And, and the college game is, is a lot shorter. So knowing that that long season is ahead of you is, is again, a mental grind. But if you learn – uh, to study the, the playbook, take care of your body. I mean, Tyler Johnson has a bright future. Rashad Bateman, what do you think of him? Uh, I love his energy. Uh, he's wearing the right number, um, lucky number. But he's, again, just, just a playmaker. I think we got playmakers across, across the board, and, and that's what I love. And these guys know how to get open and, and make dynamic plays. That was KSTP's Joe Schmidt, my colleague, my boss, my good friend, with former gopher Eric Decker. Let's get to some comments from Glenn Taylor from a podcast I did early last week. It did not air here on Score North, so you might have missed it. Let's catch up briefly with Glenn Taylor on some Wolves items, and I'll finish with some notes. Heck, I suppose before the month is over, I mean, training camp gets going. Did I hear, Glenn, that the first couple days they'll have training camp down there in Mankato? You heard correctly. What is the reasoning behind that? I think we're going to go back to something. Uh, this goes back to Flip's days yeah. and stuff like this here. Mm-hmm. That he just thought that uh, you know we pull them aside and keep them together, uh, so they're together all day long. You know, you know, as uh, you know, as get to know each other and stuff like that. So they've been doing that all summer, trying to do things uh, this year a lot more. So it's it's Ryan and and, and Gerson. Uh, falling back to something that's been successful at Houston and, and here in the past of uh, getting the players to um, not only play together but to uh, uh, communicate together and just talk and socialize together. And, and um, you know, our perception was when Flip was here, that was a good thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's uh, just keep it going. So Ryan believes in it and Gerson believes in it. And so uh, and it'll be fun for me. So <laughs> we're going to do it. You know what would else have been fun, Glenn? If you had gone to the Bahamas. I mean, on the talking, on the socializing, on the team bonding, a bunch of guys were in the Bahamas, what, just a couple weeks ago doing that? Yeah, I heard a storm was coming, so yeah. I, didn't take any, I didn't take any chances. No, I, I, uh, I'm sure they had a good time. At least that was reported back to me. It was a great time to be together, but uh, it's, uh, I have another busy schedule here <laughs> to work, in, and I had plenty of other things to do, but... Uh, I was told that, that everything worked great down there. I mean, how encouraged are you? I mean, Ryan goes up to Toronto before Josh Okoge leaves with, who, Team Nigeria and bonds with Josh. I mean, going down to the Bahamas, bonding with guys. I mean, the popular buzzword now in sports, Glenn, oftentimes is, is what? It's culture. I mean, I guess in terms yeah. of culture, I mean, do you, is it noticeable how much, how much is different now compared to maybe this time last year? Oh, certainly. It's, it's, it's almost a, if there's a 180 degrees type of an example, this is one of them. Um, just how the leadership has changed, and therefore it's, the culture has changed. And culture is important. I, I know that at my work in all the companies I have, that culture really is important. And how people relate to other people, how they're treated, how they think the leadership uh, will will respond to them. And and uh, Ryan has just uh, done everything you would expect. Uh, uh, a leader to do, in other words, get to know his players' personality before the you know the season starts, where 
you know, they got to really get to know the plays and working together and stuff like that. That'll come in October, and they're going to be uh, busy at that time. But in the meantime, we haven't wasted any time. We've uh, utilized our time well, I think, and we'll wait and see what the results are. But uh, mm-hmm. I think that'll all it should benefit us. Glenn, correct me if I'm wrong, but with with your former interim leader, I mean, the trade deadline last year, it was it was Scott Layden in charge. Is Scott? What's his role right now? Somebody told me maybe there really isn't much of a role right now. No, that's not correct. Um, uh, when uh, Gerson came here, uh, I mean, he knew what the situation was, that we had a contract with uh, Scott. And, uh, you know, and so I asked him about it, and he says, hey, I've worked with this guy for a lot of years. I know him. I respect him. I like him. And so we'll work this out. So he's got, uh, the thing that um, Scott did last year a lot, uh, it was scouting. I mean, he was gone just about every night when, you know, we talked, sure. stuff like that. He was out scouting. So he's going to be utilized in that same area this year, um, is to put his time into a lot in the scouting areas and, you know, and, and help the team on uh you know, whatever we're scouting, if we're scouting the, you know, college players or if we're scouting the D-League or if we're scouting our opponents. Um, uh, and, but I think that the, the difference, the only difference will be is he probably might be home a little bit more because I think instead of coming back to Minneapolis where his family does not live, they live out in New York, sure. I think we'll, we'll try to make it more convenient for him to handle the East Coast um, area. You guys are at 15, well, actually 16 contracts, I guess, if you count Tyrone Wallace. But is there still some talk about maybe adding somebody? There's not a lot of talk, just because I think we're pretty well set, you know, until the season starts and stuff like this here. But I, I, I can just tell you, Grayson is just open to um, looking at anything if it should come up. I mean, he'll jump at an opportunity. You know, he's, he's bringing that part from uh, Houston. I mean, those guys are always looking for things to do. I know that, when, you know, when we had, when I had uh, Jimmy, you know, <laughs> that they uh, called me on all kinds of uh, possibilities. None of them worked out, but they certainly were very flexible. He brings that to our club in the sense that he'll be, he'll keep his eyes open on what's happening with the other teams and what are the possibilities. But I, I don't think necessarily that we're going to, um, um, you know, we have anything in mind right now. That was some of my conversation with Glenn Taylor from Scoop Podcast episode 254 early last week. On the Wolves, they do have a scout over in Australia right now watching Lonzo Ball's younger brother, LaMelo Ball, plus R.J. Hampton. R.J. Hampton, well, Ball maybe too, but certainly R.J. Hampton looks like a lottery pick in next year's draft. He bypassed, he had every opportunity to play high major college basketball. I mean, we're talking blue blood after blue blood offer, but R.J. Hampton took the money, so he went to Australia. But anyway, the Wolves have had somebody over there scouting those guys, LaMelo Ball plus R.J. Hampton. No surprise if you're a regular listener of the podcast, but Robert Covington posted on Instagram the other day that he has been fully cleared. The entire Wolves team has been in town. In fact, they got a workout in earlier today on the campus of the University of Minnesota, but they've been working out at Mayo Clinic Square, so that's good to see a couple weeks before the official start of training camp that all the guys are here working out. Quickly on the Vikings, one 
storyline Sunday. Irv Smith Jr. against Josh Jacobs, the running back for the Raiders. Those two guys are the best of friends. They were roommates at Alabama. In fact, Josh came up here in early July before training camp to hang out with Irv. So those two have a bond that is inseparable. The Vikings had some wide receivers in for a workout today. I think next week I would not be surprised if they end up signing some wide receiver. Jordan Matthews, ESPN, by the way, the first to report these names. Jordan Matthews, Deontay Burnett, and Tanner Gentry. They did not sign anyone today, but they had those three wide receivers in for workouts. Matthews has a pretty good history. He was a pretty good player last year in particular for the Philadelphia Eagles. Also, former Viking Aldrick Robinson has gotten a call, or his agent has, from the Vikings. They have the book on him. I don't know if they need to bring him in for a workout or not, but he is also on their radar. Chad Beebe has a new agent. The agent tweeted. It's Kirk Cousins' agent from Priority Sports. So anyway, he tweeted. He now is working with Chad Beebe. An update on the Twins, because I'm just back from the clubhouse. Max Kepler told me he clarified it is his back, not his shoulder. He thinks he's back in the lineup as soon as later this weekend. Not in the lineup tonight, but Max Kepler told me he feels like he'll be back in a couple days. Maybe even as soon as tomorrow, he had a very good day swinging the bat. No pain thereafter. So Max Kepler on the cusp of rejoining the Twins. Sam Dyson told me in the clubhouse today that he is on his way to L.A. on Sunday, meets with that shoulder specialist on Monday. He thinks he will undergo surgery early next week. That surgery would put him out for many, many months. So not good news on Sam Dyson. Plus, I caught up with Byron Buxton. Byron Buxton is back after his shoulder surgery. That's a five- to six-month rehab. But anyway, he's doing okay. Clearly, it's a tough situation for Byron. Byron, but he is back here in Minnesota to hang around his teammates. All right, we are done. That does it for Scoop Podcast episode 256. Enjoy the Twins game tonight. Enjoy high school football. If you can, support Hope Fieldhouse. They are all about supporting athletes with disabilities. HopeFieldhouse.org. Even if you can donate just $1, HopeFieldhouse.org. Have a great weekend, everyone.